and welcome to another edition of Kaleidoscope. This is Magda Zeno recording from Nicosia and with me all the way from Limassol is Elizabeth Villiget-Tufexi. Welcome Elizabeth. Thank you so much Magda for having me. I feel as if we know each other because this is what Facebook does to you. You people, you step into people's lives and they step into your lives. So I feel like I've known you for years, but this is actually the first time we've spoken. That's very true. And it, it's I feel exactly the same way about you and about many people that mm-hmm. I have never met that live somewhere on the other side of the planet. But because there are some people that I'm in touch with practically every day. Yes. And you've never met them possibly. No, no. Yeah, I know. It's the same way I feel. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I look at the one of the things that drew me to you is that we have some commonalities at a different level and maybe in a different sector. We have some commonalities. Um, firstly, you're a networker. You connect people. And this is something I do naturally. And also, you're a podcaster, which leads me to believe you like stories. Oh, I love stories. (laughs) I love people and I love listening to people's stories. And I have have learned in life that it's worth listening because there are so many people who who just wait to reply. But I love to listen and I love to find out how people tick. And I have learned so many things in my life from people that I never expected. I totally totally agree with you. I'm the kind of person that when I say, how are you? I actually want to know how you are. I'm not just saying, how are you for you to say fine. I love listening to stories. My friends always tease me in a positive way that I'm the person that asks the questions that no one else wants to ask. And it's not our own. (laughs) Same here. And people always say, Elizabeth always says when it's time to leave, when everybody else doesn't dare to say that it's time. (laughs) And And I always ask people questions knowing that they don't have to answer. Because I love I love probing people because I'm like you and us we'll start there. When I read your life story, I found it very um not exciting. It drew me to you, it made me understand you three-dimensionally. So tell us where Elizabeth started or how your life started. Well, I am from a very, very rich country. You know, people always say people everybody in Switzerland is rich. But I was very, very poor as a child. I was born to a 16-year-old mother who was going to give me up for adoption because in a small village in Switzerland in 1960, where everybody was uh, pointing fingers, she couldn't have me. So um, I had a very good grandpa who took me home. And I grew up with my grandparents, who were old. And when I was 10 and a half, my grandfather died. So... I have no more, I had no guidance. I was bullied at school for not having parents. And I was sort of very often excluded from things. And I didn't like that at all. I didn't like the way things were. And I was, I was a feisty little girl. And I knew that. You're still a feisty little girl. (laughs) I'm a big girl now. (laughs) But you're still feisty. I just thought there must be something else to life than, uh, you know, not being able to buy books because I wanted to read, not being able to, I wanted to learn languages because I wanted to leave. And I started working when I was 13. I started working in a ski lodge. I cleared tables and I worked uh, in a hotel in the summer. I cleaned rooms and I made money. I started learning English because we learned French at school. My mother tongue is German. We we Mm. were... It was compulsory to learn French. And I wanted to learn English and Spanish because I knew that these were the languages. I wanted to become either a flight attendant or a tour guide. Okay. 
Because in those years, it wasn't the EU where you could just go and work somewhere. You needed a work permit or, you know, you needed a job that would give you a work permit. And those were the jobs that uh, gave you the opportunity to go abroad. But you were blessed because growing up in the 60s, your grandparents could have easily forced your mother to put you up for adoption. And yet they oh, yeah. chose to take you. So it shows a very big generosity of spirit, which is a blessing. Totally. And, you know, I often think my I think of my grandmother, bless her. She was 48 when I was born and she had brought up five children. And I think the last thing she needed in her life was another baby. But she, you know, I was okay. My my uncle and my uh, aunts, who were always my siblings in my life, because my mother never actually introduced me as her child. She always introduced me as her sister. But they helped my grandparents look after me. And I had a happy childhood. I mean, I had a happy time as a young child. Well, that's why happiness comes in different packages. Oh, yes. Comes in not different with, packages. Not with expensive toys. Exactly. And not necessarily with a biological mother and father. Because I'm a, the parent of a an adopted child and I'm a single parent of an adopted child. And I think I've, my son's had a, a good childhood. He's had love. He's had support. He's had um everything he should have, which is support, love, a roof over his head and education. So I think we live in a world that everyone puts you in a box and it takes you time to actually step out the box and say, well, I'm enough. I'm enough. But tell me your love of traveling came from the fact that you wanted to leave Switzerland or you wanted to leave the, the village where you were living in. It started as a necessity because I wanted to get away from the village where I was born and I wanted to get as far away as possible, which meant, you know, going abroad. It started as a necessity, but then it became a passion. I I started understanding how beautiful the world is and how much there is to see. And I wanted to know more and I wanted to know more about other cultures and I wanted to understand, you know, why. Also, many times I wanted to understand why is why is there conflict? Why don't these people get on? Because at the end of the day, we're all the same. So um, I, I started getting very, very curious. And now how many languages do you speak? I speak six languages. Which are English? Uh, my, my mother tongue is German. And then I speak French, English, Italian and Spanish and Greek. Okay. And you practiced being a tour guide for how long? 11 years. I started um, when I was 20 and I I stopped when I was 31. But I also worked for 17 years for the Cyprus Police Association as, as an interpreter, which again gave me the opportunity to travel. How come? Why how would you travel here? Because wow. I went, I used to, I used to accompany them to conferences because uh, most of them didn't speak, they only spoke Greek. So, uh, and the official languages of the European Police Association was French and uh, and English, and I spoke both. So, uh, I they took me with them to go and interpret at these conferences. And when did you first come to Cyprus and fall in love with the country? 
I came to Cyprus. I was sent to Cyprus. It's actually a funny story because I was I had been working in Greece. I had been working in Skiakos in 81. And I went to this qualification talk at the end of the summer. And my colleague there, who I'm still friends with, she said to me, you know, we're opening a new destination and it's fun to open a new destination. It's challenging because then you can, you know, do everything the way you want to do mm. it. And she said, you should do that because it's, you know, you're, you're, you would be capable to do that. And I said, yeah, where is it? And she said, it's in Cyprus. And I had no idea where Cyprus is. And I said, okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I ended up here in March 82. And I had no idea. I didn't know that they were driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> I didn't know that it was so big, you know, because mm. I wasn't a good driver. I had a driver's license which I hadn't really used much. I was, I, I got my driver's license when I was 18. And then I went to work in Greece and in both destinations, Rhodes and Skiathos, I had a moped. So I was not an experienced driver. And suddenly I had to drive three times a week from Limassol to Protaras on the old road. There was no highway. And uh, and that's when I got to, when I started becoming a good driver because <laughs> I don't know if you probably remember as well, driving between Limassol and and uh, Kofinu, with all the trucks that were going to Nicosia that you couldn't overtake, was a challenge. But driving a car is certainly safer than driving the mopeds on the Greek islands because I spent a lot of time on the Greek island of Rhodes living there, and those mopeds are death traps. I know. I actually had a, when I was working in roads, I once fell with my motorbike and I really injured, not so badly, but I scratched my knee with all the gravel and I fell. Guess where I fell? I fell on Cypress Square in Rhodes Town. Wow. I, <laughs> that must have been a sign. Yes. The, the universe was telling you this is where you had to be. Exactly. Um, yes. And while you were here, you were... Um, working for the Cyprus police, but you were also doing other things. What other things were you doing when you came here? Well, when I came here, I came as a rep. I mean, the first years between 1982 and uh, I, the last time I was here in 88 for six summers, I just worked as a tourist rep. And then I came back in 1994 to live with my husband. Um, and I also had two uh, wooden toy shops. When my kids were small, I imported wooden toys from Germany. Okay. I had a shop in Limassol and one in Nicosia, but I don't think Cyprus was ready for wooden toys, for quality wooden toys. It didn't go well. I, I It was kind of a, a bit of occupational therapy. I never made much money. So when the kids were bigger, I gave it up. I, but I was managed to, I managed to sell it. So that was okay. And then the police found me. That was uh, starting in 2004. I started. Well, that's uh, a blessing. I mean, it's a oh, blessing. It's a total blessing. And I'm so grateful for this experience. I mean, I, I traveled to every single country in Europe. Okay. Um, and then, but you also do learn step, do hypnotherapy. You do, um, you have a whole list of things that you do, written books, you've done coaching. Of all of these things that you do, because all of us wear a lot of hats, what is the one thing that stands out a bit? Because something is usually closer to our hearts it's traveling in my case it's it's just uh, i i am um, it i always say i i start my podcast intro by saying my favorite smell is airplane kerosene uh, <laughs> because i love to travel in any form 
But and I love people. I mean, for the last four years, I have I was the pre- the director of the Global Level of Cyprus. And um, that's what you were saying before, what we have in common. It's the connecting bit. It's the networking. I love finding and I love watching. You know, when you do these networking events Mm -hmm. and you have a look around the room and you see these two people speaking together that you want to speak together, that makes me happy. Yes. But I'm very, I mean, I remember going, the most recent marriage I did or Proxenios, we say in Greek, is I was I'm part of a network of NGOs of women globally in conflict, that they got cut into conflict. And a woman came to the event that does peace education from Brazil. And I thought, okay, I said, I've got someone to do it. And I put them together a week later and they're working on a project. I thought, I'm good. <laughs> but it makes you happy when you actually see the emails that were crossing and they were saying, oh, I know this, that was an I like. And I thought, okay. It's so, it makes me so happy when you actually connect people that otherwise might not connect. Exactly. And it, you know, I, I, it makes me smile to watch it. Or sometimes you, you're not even in the same room because especially during COVID, we did all those global woman meetings on Zoom. But then you start seeing them communicating on social media and you think, hmm, they found each other. You know, yes. they, they are good for each other. Tell me a little bit about the Global Woman Network. The Global Woman Club is a, um, a, a women empowerment platform that was founded by a lady from Albania. She she lives in London, Mirella Sulla, mm-hmm. and she has this she has this vision. Her vision is that if you want to empower a woman, give her a microphone, give mm-hmm. her a voice, because public speaking makes you more confident. But also, public speaking means that you get the opportunity to tell your story, and your story, as they say can be somebody else's survival guide my story is a story that you know I always feel like if I can make it anybody can make it because it was hard for me at the time but I I was before we started recording I was telling you I'm grateful for every single person who bullied me I'm grateful for every single person who didn't include me because that gave me the fuel to work on what I wanted to work and to, to do all the all the trauma healing and all the stuff that we all need to do because even if we have a happy time, we still have some stuff that we need to process. But Elizabeth, you know, that's why I started my podcast because I started podcasting in 2013 before it got sexy because I was working on a community radio, a community media center, and then they opened a community radio station. And because I was on the board, they said, well, why don't you do one hour with women? Nothing. What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work. But I, the minute I stepped into it, I found this is my space. And because we can't all be experts on everything, and I was doing one show a week, one show a week online as a volunteer, I then realized I cannot be an expert on anything. I'm sway now I'm spending a lot of time, and I ended up just interviewing women on peace building. And it's what you say, I thought, is anyone going to want to speak to me? Who am I that someone will want to speak to? None of the women said no, because they've never been offered a space to, to tell their story. None of them had been offered a space to tell their story. And I was um, firstly honored, but I've interviewed Nobel Prize winners, uh, playwrights from abroad, peace builders from abroad, 
And it's simply because of what you said. Give a woman a, a mic, give her a space to speak, and you've made her stronger immediately. Absolutely. And I think we all feel we we all need a little bit of recognition. We all I and I fully admit that I love speaking. I love being in the limelight. <laughs> not, not everybody is, but I do. I love attention. And I probably maybe it goes back to my not being really wanted as a child. I don't know what it is, but I everybody loves attention and everybody loves to tell a story. And if you have a good story, you can really help other people with it. And you can learn. You, you see, this is the thing that we often this arrogance that some people have, you can learn something from everyone, from everyone, from the person with the simplest job to the Nobel Prize winner. Mm. You, you just need to listen. And I agree with you. Every single podcast I've done, I've, done, I've learned something. And there is not one person that does not have a story. We each have at least 10 stories in us. Mm -hmm. We just need the space and maybe one or two um, questions or, or the space. Or the smile to offer that other person. Everyone's got at least 10 stories within them to tell. And I, as you say, I, every time I hear a story, first, I'm amazed. And secondly, I learn at least one thing in that 45 minutes that the other person's talking to me. Totally. And you also remember when you speak to people, you also remember your own stories, your own stuff comes back that you maybe needed to process a little more or, you know, you had sometimes we, we put something under the rock and uh, you see yes. whatever we put under the rock, it always comes back until we clean it up. So and and this is the good. I think that's why life is a is a really a lifelong learning process. And as long as we are willing to learn, it's fun. Oh, I agree. So long as we're willing to learn and be open to diversity because um, you must not be judgmental because you must be willing to listen to people regardless of what they had to say. And I'm not talking hurtful or insulting, but people, you must be willing to listen to people that have got different opinions to your own. And that's the biggest learning curve anyway. That's the yeah, biggest that's, learning curve. That's respect. That's also respect because it doesn't mean that we have to agree with these people, but we have to, you know, we're, we, we're listening and then we can do whatever whatever we want with this, with this information. We can do whatever we want with it, but um, it is respectful to listen and to, to be respectful. Um, you say your biggest passion is traveling. Um, what's your best quality? I think my best—I would all my best quality is kindness. I um, I feel that it's not always a nice world out there, and um, there are so many people who are not having such a good time. Some people, there's always something happening, and I think you can make just what a person's day by being kind just by saying hello by asking how you are and then to actually listen like mm -hmm. you said before or by smiling in a supermarket or wherever you are and um, making people feel good I think this is I would consider that my biggest strength and your biggest weakness my biggest weakness is that I can't say no you know like <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh God, I've got lots of weaknesses. Let's not start here. But uh, yeah, you know, maybe just or also feeling sometimes feeling sorry for for things or people. Well, maybe that's not a weakness, but uh, sometimes I get carried away. I, I, I sometimes carried over 
weight of the world on my shoulders. You know why that's a weakness? Because I do the same thing. Because it hurts you in the end. You've actually got to get it out of you because it's damaging. I mean, I watch the news and I see the killings and the murders, but I take it into me and it's not very healthy. No. It's, it's not, not very healthy to be too empathetic to the people around you. You've got to be kind and understanding, but you've got to learn to shut the door of the emotion seeping into you. Um, now, tell me, we're also speaking at a forum together next year. The with Cyprus Paul. Diaspora with Paul. Yes, yes. Tell me in what capacity you're speaking. Why I don't you... know. <laughs> I haven't been told. I don't know what he wants me to talk about. Probably something to do with my book, maybe the Soul Kit, or uh, I don't know, maybe the podcast. He was a guest on my podcast, but I I need instructions. If Paul, okay. Paul, if you're listening to this podcast, we need instructions. <laughs> so, so since you just mentioned it, tell us about your book. I had looked when I was uh, when my, I have to start differently. When my mother died, how long ago mother, did she die? Excuse me. How long ago did she die? Um, 10 years ago in, in 2013. And, you know, my mother died of um, cancer. And I believe that she died. So many people get sick because they have all these unprocessed emotions. We never talked about being mother and daughter. We were always siblings in our life, in our in our world. And I regret that's one thing that I regret that we never talked about it. And um, I felt that there is so much work to do with so many people. And I believe that maybe if she had gotten help or if she had talked about her stuff more, maybe she wouldn't have gotten sick. We don't know. We never know that. But mm. I believe that we should, if we can help somebody process stuff that is stuck in their system, we can make them feel better. And that's what I wanted. So also, I inherited a little money from her and I spent that money on a life coaching course in Dubai. I went mm -hmm. to do my master coach training and my hypnotherapist training um, in Dubai with a fantastic trainer from Serbia. And um, that's when I realized that I had a lot of people's knowledge. I mean, I knew that. I knew that from the tour guiding. I knew that from the traveling with the police. But what I really needed were tools and those tools I went to get in Dubai. And then I thought after a while, I need to, I know a lot of stuff. I need to pass this knowledge on. It's my duty to tell other people about what I know. And um, it was the time when I was traveling with the police so much that I was often bored on flights or at airports. And I started writing and I wrote 21 chapters for a better life. That's the more or less the content of the soul kit. Okay. And how long did it take you to write? I or really don't know because I, it was just with every flight or whenever I had time, I just had my laptop with me and, you know, one thing gave, gave the other. I wasn't really planning to write a book at the beginning. I was just writing down how, you know, it was kind of a blog situation. I was... Mm -hmm blogging and then and then I realized that I have enough um, material together to actually turn it into a book so over what period of time did you write maybe that's probably a better... about maybe two years and did it flow was it easy to write 
it was easy to write because it was more or less, and it wasn't, you know, my book is not, it's not an academic book. It's a very, very practical book. It's the kind of book that you can read in a day or two on the beach, but there is exercises in there. And if you do them, it will make you think. Okay. And it's called the? The Soul Kit. First Aid for the Soul. And this is available on Amazon? Or... It's available on Amazon or it's available through me. I can send it. I have a website which is actually called www.thesoulkit.com. Okay. I sell some other stuff. I also turned the book into a video course. If somebody doesn't like to read when they want to listen, they can listen to it. And um, it's a very um, kind of a thought-provoking book. It's much, it's, it's much more than it looks like at the beginning. And what kind of reaction have you had to it? I have had only good reaction. I have had lots of people at the beginning when it was new, because it's been five years now. It came out in 2018. Mm. Um, everybody loved it. Everybody loves it and still love it. And I still have lots of books. I don't sell so many anymore these days because I probably don't talk about it enough. Mm. But I use it when I go to conferences, especially in the last four years when I was traveling a lot with the Global Woman Club. It's my business card, you know, and I take yes. it with me. I go to the conference, I give them my book, you know, and, and, and it, it makes a good impression. Yes, it does. And it's, a, it's, a, it's more likely not to get lost than a business card. When you've got a business card, business cards get lost. But if there's a book you're giving, yeah. it's very likely that that person will not lose it and will remember who you are. Absolutely. And, you know, many times people go to these conferences on a flight or, or on a train or, or on some kind of transportation. And it's something that you can look at on the way home. OK. And your hypnotherapy? That was part of the training, a part of the Master Life Coach training. And um, I actually realized that this is what I wanted to do, because life coaching is one thing. Life coaching is... Um, Telling people what to do is not really my thing because mm -hmm. I, I always believe if, if somebody, you know, people have to be interested in what they should change. And it's not my job to tell them what to change. But hypnotherapy changes the subconscious mind. And we are driven. 95% of everything we do is driven by the subconscious mind. And that's where the change needs to be done. And that's what I do with hypnotherapy. And there are so many people with so many fears, which are so unhealthy, because when you are in constant fear, your body releases stress hormones, hormones, which are bad for you. That's what I meant with my mother, for example. Mm. And those fears are created in your head. They don't exist. So that's what we remove with hypnotherapy. And I totally agree. I went through a very stressful seven year period with family and inheritance. And because all the focus was, was on bullying me, in that period, I developed a benign brain tumor and I had a mild heart attack. You see? Be because I wasn't managing my stress and mm -hmm. I wasn't able to change. I was just internalizing everything and I wasn't able to change my mindset or change the narrative that I was telling myself. So I agree with you, we can make ourselves sick if we don't actually change the subconscious. And so many people do, so many people make themselves sick. And you know, so many, all anxiety and stress, they are, they are really, they are poison. And you know, another thing, this fashionable being busy all the time, you know, feeling, feeling proud by saying, I'm so busy. 
for me, that is that I, I find that a lack of um, or being organized and the lack of prioritizing things. Mm. And it doesn't make it doesn't help you feel better because constant stress is very, very unhealthy. And constantly doing things, you don't process it well unless you have that downtime when you have a glass of wine or you're sitting and you're talking to friends or you're just on the beach doing nothing. Unless you have that downtime, everything you learn in this busy time does not get processed properly. So true, so true. And you do not always have to be busy. No. Another thing I picked up from your Facebook page is how much your family means to you. Yes, I guess that's probably connected to not having had a proper family. And I never met my father and uh, my mother was my sister. My grandparents were old. So I've never had that family situation. So when I had my own children, um, I just wanted them to have it. We have a good time. My kids are 27 and 25 now. And um, we traveled a lot because <laughs> I wanted to make sure when they were small, I wanted to make sure that they liked traveling because uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I started taking them all over the world and we have a lovely relationship now. And I passed on the travel book to them. Your son's now living in China. Yeah, he's Where studying just- He's got a scholarship at the Chinese university. He's doing two semesters of Mandarin. Okay. Why? I've heard a lot of people do it. He studied psychology in Switzerland. And as a minor, he started uh, learning Mandarin there. And he came across, I think it was connected with his Chinese teacher who uh, opened up this opportunity that these uh, certain uh, universities give scholarships. And uh, he applied. Oh, wow. And which city is he in? He's in Beijing? He's in, he's in Tianjin, which is about, uh, it's it's a bit south of Pe- of Beijing. Okay, very brave. Yes. Considering... Well, takes after his mother. I think so. I think so. <laughs> and, he, and you say he's already got a basic working knowledge of Mandarin. Well, yes. I Okay, he had three years at uh, university in Switzerland. And of course, I think he was a little shocked when he arrived because it sounds all different than it does in the classroom. Mm. But uh, he seems to be picking it up well. And he's because the 1st of October is the Chinese uh, Independence Day and they all get a week off and he's traveling around at the moment. He is in uh, Guilin. He's he took a plane and when he I told him you if, if you are in a place, you have to get to know it. You need to travel around. Oh, absolutely. You mustn't stay in one place or else no. the trip is almost a waste. Yes. But your daughter lives in Switzerland? Wait, it is- she lives in Switzerland. She did. Uh, she studied at the Lausanne Hotel School. And uh, and then she went to travel as well. She was in, first she went to Armenia, Georgia. She was in Iran for a month. She went to, then to Brazil and to Uruguay and I met her that I don't know if you if you followed me at the time because I ended up in Argentina at the beginning of COVID and I had to rush home after three days and I was one of the first people in quarantine here in Cyprus. And you met her in Argentina for three days? Yes because uh, I found out after three days that the country was going to close down there were no more flights to Europe so I had to escape. But at least you got to see her for three days. I got to see her for three days and I went to Switzerland, stayed in Switzerland for a while. And then I found out that they were closing down here as well. 
So um, I came back to Cyprus and I spent two weeks at the Aldiana Resort. At, uh, <laughs> okay. Locked up in a room. Now when we talk about COVID, it seems like such a, so far away. And yet it isn't so far away. It's not, it's not. And you keep hearing about people who have it, but um, it is, thank God. You know, I think this is the good thing about humans. We were in it and we didn't, because at the beginning we were all scared. I was Mm. scared. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know what it was. You know, we we didn't know, are we all going to die? What's going to happen? And uh, of course, now we know a lot more. But I think the beauty about the human brain and and we forget, we process, we forget and we move on because what's the point? You know what? This is living in the now is one of my, you know, one of my teachings. I like to, you know, I don't want to preach, but sometimes I sound like it and I don't really mean it it in a bad way. But there is no point in in, in worrying about the future and there is no point in dwelling about the past because Mm. you can't change either. But I agree with you. I sometimes think of COVID because I got the brain tumor was diagnosed in the middle of COVID. Mm. And my sister lives in South Africa and she says, I'm flying to Cyprus. I said, no, you're not flying to Cyprus. Cyprus is open, but South Africa is closed. So you might come and then you won't be able to go back to your family and you might come and they won't let you leave or you might not come and they don't let you. So I said, no, there are telephone calls, there's FaceTime, there's Zoom. Stay where you are and we'll be okay. I mean, she was panicked at the time because yeah. she thought. But when I think of nothing. We didn't know. But no. I think now that you're telling me that, you know, there are so many. I mean, I was I was upset because my kids couldn't come home one Christmas. But when you're telling me a story like that, that you were sick and you couldn't get together with your sister, there were there was a lot worse than I had. But I also think it was better that she was far away. I didn't want to worry about her. Anyway, it worked out. And there are also good sides to COVID because I'm asthmatic. And I found the fact that wearing masks actually controlled my asthma. So now when I'm in a funny space, I feel as if I'm getting ill, the mask comes on and I found a way to control my asthma. Um, If you had one word to describe yourself, what would the word be? Oh my um, god. And don't use the word kind. You've used kind is your good quality. If oh, you right. describe yourself and you're allowed to be um so, there's no such thing as being arrogant, vain, or hyperbolic. I think I'm funny. I like I, I'm funny. I, I like to laugh about myself and other okay. people. Not other people, but I I you know I think it's a, it's probably also an age thing, but uh, you get to an age where you feel like you don't really get so easily impressed anymore. Mm. Like, oh, you what know, a blessing. I, I, yes. And sometimes I look at things and I think, oh, my God, if only they knew, you know, they are taking this far too seriously. You know, you look back and you think, why did I take this so seriously? I think it's important to have a good laugh. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I sometimes do it too often, but I agree with you. You've got to lighten situations or else it kills you. You can't be yeah. serious all the time. No, no. I mean, there are moments to be serious. Of course there are. You know, you Absolutely. But um, I think generally uh, there is a lot that could be a lot easier if we took it a little bit less serious. And what are Elizabeth's plans for the future? 
Well, I have just done an assistant hike in Corfu for a Swiss tour operator. So um, next year I'm going to accompany two um, hiking tours here in Cyprus for wow. Swiss tour operator and maybe, maybe in the future, maybe get to another country as well to do hiking tours. I love the outdoors. I love walking. That's why one of my biggest, biggest wishes and desires in my life is to stay healthy and fit. That's my, that's my, my plans for the future is to stay well. That's the only plans you should make because as I said, I just had a light heart attack and mm -hmm. the doctor said to me, nothing's wrong with your heart, but you've got to lose weight and you've got to start exercising more. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. So yep. keeping yourself healthy yep. governs everything because yes. if you're healthy, there's nothing you can't do. Everything else will come. Everything else will happen. You know, I like to, as I said, I like to be on stage. I feel like I'm a good speaker. I'd like to do more motivational speaking. I'd like to, I want to inspire people. Mm. But um, that you cannot do when you are not well. So the most important is to stay well. Um, have you got another book planned? Um, well, I was going to write another book. The whole thing with the podcast started because... When I when I couldn't travel, you can imagine me during COVID. I was I felt like I was missing a limb. That's why I started the podcast because initially I just started talking about my past, my travel. Later on, I started inviting people on my podcast. Mm. So um, that was at a time when I wasn't quite sure should I write a book about my past traveling or. Then I had this, I, I was in a Zoom meeting with Global Woman and we met this guy who was talking about podcasting. And then I thought, I like that. I like to talk. So instead of a second book, I started the podcast. So there is not really a second book, but who knows? Who knows? Yes. And your podcast is called? Most Memorable Journeys. And you have, I saw you had an Indian woman. What's the last one? An Indian woman who was in the Air Force. That's right. I had some fantastic, I had the mayor of Nicosia. I had um, um, Adamos Marneros, who was the last pilot who landed at Nicosia Airport. I had very, very many, very inspiring people on my podcast. I had um, Kira Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter. Yeah. I mean, I have 129 episodes. Who is a potential guest for you? And don't say anyone. Lately, I'm going to say this openly, and I don't know if somebody can help me. I'd like to have Anna Vichy on my podcast. Okay. We'll send it out to the universe. Yes, I'm going to send it out because I just think that um, she is amazing. She's, a, she's an artist, She, but she has been going on. She is consistent. And co for me, consistency in life is key. That, that, that I don't know the lady at all, but I see her and I would love to speak to her. Well, have you ever thought of sending her a message on, on Instagram or Facebook? I have. I have. I haven't received the reply, but I'm working on it. You've got to see if you've got mutual friends. Yeah, I've got other people, of course, on my radar that I would like. There's plenty of people. I, I, because of the Global Woman Club, I actually got hold of you know famous people as well. But of course, it's it's not always easy to to find them. But uh, what is your key? What is your when someone 
it's and just then, people because most memorable journeys doesn't just mean journeys as in traveling no, I just, I'm, journey so if people combine their life with a little bit of traveling then, then then they are my kind of people to speak to is there an interview a podcast you've got done that has stayed in your heart for a long long time well, it's definitely uh, this Adamas Marneros is one. He, he, I'm in love with him. Ah, and you know who else I really, really enjoyed? Dimitris Pieridis from the Pieridis Foundation. Okay. He, I actually went to do the interview live because um, he. I don't. I don't know. I'm surely he could have or he could have done Zoom, but I felt like I wanted to go and sit with him. What a lovely man! What an ama- amazing, interesting person to speak to. There are a few people that, yeah, they they are. Uh, another person that I absolutely love is um, Baria Alamudin. She is uh, Amal Clooney's mother. Oh, yes, and was she uh, inspiring she was- to listen to to speak to? Very, very, very. She she interviewed Macarios. Yes, she did. She also yeah. interviewed Saddam Hussein, or didn't she interview Saddam, Saddam mm. Hussein? She no, I don't know. Else. Maybe she, she probably did, but she was the last person who spoke to Indira Gandhi because before she. Yes, got I think. Yes, I think that's the. I remember her speaking to someone, being the last person to interview someone before they died. Yeah, that so was must have been Indira Gandhi. She was traveling in India and she was flying to London. And during the time that she was flying to London, Indira Gandhi got shot. And when she landed in London, the whole world press was waiting for her. Oh, talk about your life changing in one flight, in one journey. (laughs) In one journey. But I agree with you, even though I also have a profile of a person that I want on to interview, I actually, and I only interview women because my intention was to um, give a space, a microphone to women. I spotted someone on the Cyprus Diaspora Forum, a speaker, and he's a man from South Africa. And okay. I looked at, and I looked at his profile, and I thought, I have to speak to this person. And he totally did not fit my, uh, what you call my profile. He's a man, but I said I have to speak to this person. So sometimes. People, their energy, they already just speak to you. I think that's, um, you know, it doesn't matter that he's a man. If you feel like you want to speak to him, just go for it, you know. And and a man has things to say that women want to hear. Yes. And so, yes, exactly. And sometimes men are more of feminists than women are. Oh, yeah. Don't have their woman. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we close? Because we could um, carry on uh, talking forever, but I think it's a good time. I know. I actually want to, you know, I actually forgot that we are recording. <laughs> <We> are recording. <laughs> I'm glad because that's the way it should be. It's a conversation. Yes. You see, this is exactly like the way I like to do my uh, my my recordings because I, you know, you don't have a list of questions and I don't have a list of questions. And that makes podcasting much more fun. And um, I have completely forgotten that we were doing this uh, <laughs> this recording. I don't really know. I, I We spoke about a lot of different things. And of course, in a while, when we close this, I will remember and I will think, oh, my God, I should have told her this and I should have told her that. But right now, no. I just what I want to say to whoever is listening um, is that, um, y- you know, especially people also who see me on, on social media, I know that life is not always easy, you know, and sometimes I write stuff, for example, that um, may be offensive to certain people, but I don't mean it like that. I just mean to bring a little bit more fun and a little bit more light into the world. 
I don't think you should worry about offending people because you can't please everyone, can you? No, of course not. That is totally true. And I and and also um I, I very rarely sometimes I get a message, you know, of people saying, Yeah, you make it all sound so easy. It's not as easy as you think. And I know that. I know that. But um we should all try to do the best we can. And as you said right in the beginning, as long as your starting point is kindness, that's all that counts. Absolutely. That's really all. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. If you if your every gesture is motivated by kindness, this world cannot go wrong because there's a lot of wickedness and a lot of horrible things happening around us. So if we start with kindness, well, it should surely be a better place for at least the people around us. Um, Very true. I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting you soon. Me too. Me too. Maybe we should, maybe we should make a plan to meet in Limassol or somewhere, and I'll speak to my good friend Ankia. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. That's yes. it. I, 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 noticed, I noticed on social media that you know each other. Yes, let's do yes. that. She's a wonderful human being. And she, she calls is. me a Cypriot German because I'm one of the few Cypriots she knows that's on time. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us have the same. If I say I'm going to do something, I do something. If I'm going to say it's going to be by Thursday, it's by Thursday. So we have this little inside joke that I'm, more Germanic than separate in terms of my reliability to, in, uh, to my commitments. Okay, we'll make a plan to meet. I'm really glad we had this conversation. And uh, we will make a plan to meet in person because I think we have a lot in common. Beautiful. And I want to thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm very honored that you had me on your podcast. I'm very honored you came because as we both agree, every podcast, we learn one thing at least. And I've learned more than one thing from you. Wonderful. So thank you to you, thank you to the listeners, and carry on being kind. Thank you. Bye-bye. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.